This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Alan on from Greenhouse, and we'll be talking about Greenhouse Open, but really we'll be unpacking a bunch of other stuff as well. So, Alan, would you do us the honor and introduce yourself and Greenhouse? Yeah. Hey, William. Um, I am Alan Beers. I'm our VP of customer success here at Greenhouse. Um, So I've been with the company kind of forever, uh, for almost seven years now. And then before this, I was at LinkedIn for a long time doing customer success. Um, And before that, I was actually an agency recruiter. Um, So I've I've always been, you know, connected to the HR and HR tech space in in some form or fashion. Um, And as you know, Greenhouse is, is the best applicant tracking system out there, right? And um, a suite of products that enables our customers to to make data driven decisions on on their hires. So the switch from from recruiter to customer success. What was the, what was the transition like? Was uh, was it difficult or was it relatively easy? Um, yeah, at the time, LinkedIn um, was essentially sourcing their customer success team from ex recruiters. Oh, so the theory, yeah, the the theory there was. Um, you've, you've been in a recruiter's shoes, you know, the challenges, you understand the workflows, you understand the industry. Um, so you would probably make a, a pretty, a pretty good customer success manager, um, and, you know, understand sourcing and how to send strong emails, you know, et cetera. So it was just lucky timing, you know, at, at the time, that's where they were kind of pulling their, their candidate pool from. And, um, I, I sort of fell into the role. That's smart. That's smart. What do you see today? You know, in terms of when you you onboard a new client, um, the apprehension that they might have, either they're switching from something else or you're displacing, you know, some proprietary or Excel or, you know, God only knows what you're, you're displacing or right. nothing, which is even worse. Um, what's the, what's kind of the, some of the things that you, you see with clients right now and just kind of getting them, standing them up and then getting them to use the product adopt it, love it, you know, all of that stuff. Like what are some of the things that you see right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think depending on the customer, they might have wildly different ambitions, right? Uh, like <laughs> you said, if, if, if they're coming from spreadsheets, right. uh, they're, they're just really excited to have a system where, um, you know, they, they can add candidates to and have some semblance of, of organization um, as they're, as they're doing their hiring um, but that kind of can present its own challenges, right? right. Because I think at, at Greenhouse we we have a pretty we have a pretty strong position on the importance of structured hiring, um, collaboration with hiring managers, setting up interview kits, scorecards. Um, so you have some customers that literally just right off the bat in week one they they want to get off the ground and and start recruiting and start hiring, and we kind of have to slow them down a little bit and say, look, it, during the implementation phase this is the most important time when you can build a foundation for future successes. And if you set the system up well um, and you configure the system in a way that works for you strategically, it's going to continue to pay dividends down the road. 
right? So you're you're kind of pumping the brakes with, with customers like that. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you might have an enterprise customer where they have a ton of things figured out. Um, they've been successfully hiring for years and years or, or, or maybe even decades. Um, and they've kind of got this ingrained process that you kind of have to pull them out of um, and say, there's, there's a reason that you're making the switch, right? And let's, let's keep the eye on the prize and, and the goals of why you're making that transition from, from your legacy system um, and, you know, potentially learn some new things about, um, you know, about recruiting or, or structured hiring that can help the organization out. So there's, you know, and then there's, there's a spectrum in between that, right? So. So implementation. So I studied user adoption for about five years of my life and spoke on implementations. In fact, I used to have this bit where I'd get in front of the audience and say, I can make every single one of you fall out of your chair, get fall down and, and get into the fetal position and suck on your thumb. <laughs> yeah. And all I have to do is say one word. And it was a parlor trick, right? So then I'd say implementation. <clears throat> and it was a funny bit, right? It was, it was a joke because everyone's had a bad implementation. There isn't anybody in HR recruiting that hasn't had something go sideways. In fact, Absolutely. as you study implementations, uh, what you learn about implementations is that there's always an inevitable, what we call an inevitable disaster, i.e. the unforeseen. You know, in the sales process, we talk about data, uh, their historical data, how important it is. And then all of a sudden we get into implementation to find out their data is horrible. Like yeah. not, not structured, completely just horrible. Well, right. that's, that's not necessarily a disaster. It's just now you have to kind of realign expectations. Um, and so there's always, there's always something, there's always something that comes up in an implementation. So what, what kind of roadblocks, what advice that you give people, you know, during that implementation phase of like, okay, hey, listen, we're, we're going to hit some things. You know, there's going to be some systems some process, uh, collaboration, people, you know, it's just, it's, it's just inevitable that we're going to have these things. So, but we'll react and we'll take care of you. You don't have to worry. Like <laughs> we'll make sure that things are okay. Right. But what do you see as some of the, the just natural, the things that you see kind of recurring as I say roadblocks, but just kind of things you need to, the team to overcome. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to touch on this topic a little bit if we have time, but I think um, sometimes there's an over-reliance that the recruiters or the recruiting team are, are going to be able to do everything and like lead those implementations with one or two people. So to me, it's like... <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, like my advice is like if you're, if you're going out and you're going to RFP and you know that you're going to change systems or, or you know, again, if you're coming from spreadsheets and, and, and you're, you're going to buy a real system at this point... Um, understand what it takes to stand up a system of, of that magnitude, especially when, when you're, when you're thinking about greenhouse, right. And you've probably bought on because you want the whole organization to be focused on hiring and diversity and inclusion. And it takes, um, it takes a, a change management plan to be able to implement that. Well, not just from a systems and technology perspective, um, but from an overall adoption perspective for hiring managers, interviewers, um, even people who might just be referring folks through, through Greenhouse. So that's, that's my advice is if you're going to stand up a new system, be realistic about what the, uh, the resources are that you need. Um, and if you don't have them, make a case to go out and hire them, right? Because again, two, three, four years down the road, you're going to be thanking yourself. 
I, I think the other thing that we've tried to do to help with that is our implementation team breaks it down uh, pretty clearly between things that are essential and things that you can focus on down the road with, with your customer success manager. Um, and there's a really strong handover process there. So there's like, you know, 10 or 15 things that are absolutely essential that a customer should do when they're, they're implementing. And then there's all this other stuff that can kind of become noise. Um, and it's nice to have, if you get to those other 70 things and you've got a strong implementation team um, on, on your side, then, then sure, go for it. Um, but I think lasering in on, on the things that are essential that are gonna get you stood up and, and get a strong foundation um, that's, that's what we tend to, to recommend through our project plans. So I've, I've been on record, Ellen, as saying you can, you can put a inferior product on a superior products process, but you can't put an in a superior product on an inferior process. Meaning like <clears throat> if your process is broken, it doesn't matter what technology you use. So right. what, what kind of, how do y'all, first of all, you're a technology company, so I, you know, I get that, and, and I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying that uh, if someone's got a really, really good hiring process, yeah. then they can actually have, you know, they can have some inferior product. But if it's broken, fundamentally, between sourcing, hiring managers, recruiters, employer branding, all the folks that have their hands in the, in the, in the, in the till, if it's broken... It doesn't matter what technology that they buy. It's just, it's my experience at least. And they think it's a magic bullet, which is worse. They think, oh, we'll, we'll bring in this technology and it'll fix all of this fundamental brokenness that we have. It's like, eh, <laughs> ish. <laughs> so, so what do you, you know, you, you get to, A, you used to do the process. So, you know, you've got, you're steeped in the process, both at LinkedIn, before LinkedIn and at Greenhouse. How do you talk to them about process? Yeah, I, I think that really happens often when um, an organization buys a piece of technology as a, as a quick fix. Um, silver bullet. I, yeah, ex exactly. Um, and I think that it's about being honest and upfront with the customer that there's actually change management to do within the organization if you want to get the outcomes that you desire with this. Um, and sometimes from a vendor perspective or a partner perspective, that, that kind of takes guts, right? right? Because you don't want to call a customer out and say, look, your recruiting processes aren't working for you. And that's, that's actually why you, you purchased a new system. Um, see, but you can see, Alan, that's where we diverge. I actually do want to call them out. You wanna <laughs> I actually do want to tell them, listen, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not in the same position, nor you know, so it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for that. But I would actually want to have a frank discussion about yeah. response times and things like that, that where you can kind of highlight where the process is broken. You know, like okay, listen, let's go through an audit, and I'll give you a health check. And you're you know, it's it isn't Betty's process, it isn't Jimmy's process. It doesn't matter whose process. Does it work or does it not work? And right. it's pretty pretty objective. If, it, if it's working or if it's not. And so I would rather personally, but that's me as, as a kind of an outsider, I would rather have a frank discussion about their brokenness because change management is, as you, as you know, 
it's like a it's like doubles tennis. Who owns change management? Does, do they own change management? Does the does a vendor partner do they own change management? How does change management actually happen? And no one's got no one's got that figured out. No one's got right. uh, and there isn't there isn't a company. Although I have to say, outside of recruiting, I worked uh, for Bombardier for a, a while <clears throat> as a consultant, and they're rolling out success factors. So they purchased it. And they, for a year, a whole year, calendar year, they worked on exactly what they wanted to do when they rolled it out. So for a year, they planned the messaging, they planned how they wanted to do the role. And now they have 80,000 employees, so it kind of made sense. But they took change management to like a level that I've never seen. Because they, they brought the... What's, they the, bought, what's, the one thing, what's the one thing they did differently that stood out to you? Well, planning. I mean, yeah. most most folks, it's reactive uh, as change management as a as a as a concept. It's like, oh yeah, change management. <laughs> change management means that something broke and we have to change it, and and so it's reactive. They they viewed, uh, especially in that particular launch, they viewed change management as uh, proactive, not reactive. So they got in front of everything before anyone even saw success success factors. They were cooking everything all the reviews, everything that was happening, how they would roll it out, how they would get people to adopt, more than adopt, how they would get people to love success factors. Because what I learned in that process is user adoption for them wasn't the goal. The goal uh, was, was user satisfaction. How do we get to the other side of user adoption? So yeah, they adopted, they're using it, that's great, that's cute. However, we want them to actually be satisfied in their usage of the software. Which is well, that's why that's why mind. I love that, that's why I love the topic of your workshop at Open. So you know, talking about the collaboration between the recruiting team and hiring managers. Like hiring managers are a major focus of our business um, be, because of of what you just described. You know, right. often they're they're the biggest key to success of this or, whole thing. Working, or, you you can get or failure. <laughs> Right. Well, you can get a recruiting team bought in to Greenhouse pretty quickly, right? It's, it's a great system. It, it, it does need it to do. Um, but if you can get a hiring manager to believe in the value of things like preparation, building strong alliances with recruiting, um, understanding their hiring needs, then they're going to do the impactful things like fill out scorecards and start making data-driven decisions. Like this, this is how the whole structured hiring thing really comes together. Um, I- and, and change management during implementation and then in perpetuity starts to build a culture in that organization that says hiring is a main part of your job and actually of your performance. It's your success or failure in your role, depending on how well you hire and how much focus you're putting on building strong teams. Um, and I, I think the same goes for people who interview often and, and contribute to, to hiring decisions. So that's that's kind of what we try to to work on with our with our customers is um, you know it's about getting the, the recruitment teams bought in of course but then getting beyond that to the folks who um, are are also going to be using the system to to do the hiring. I love that, and you, you know what's funny is you hit on something that's uh, that's an irritant of mine, but but in a good way, and it's the <laughs> phrase "go live." I kind of I kind of mock that phrase in the sense of uh, there's just no such thing. It's an illusion. 
because it's relentless change management. Because you're yep. always going to have people leaving. You're of attrition. You're of new, new hiring managers, new recruiters. Candidates are always kind of coming and going and all that stuff. And so it's, yeah, there's this arbitrary time when you turn things on, et cetera, and you train people. But that doesn't stop. I think that's one of the things that practitioners don't fully understand. And again, it kind of gets back to that concept. They buy technology to fix some other things. And they think that, okay, once it's live, it'll fix all my problems. And I don't have to do anything else. It's like, right. no, <laughs> that's right. when the work starts. So, well, yeah. And it's only going to get worse. Right. I think like <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> with, with, with the way that we're going and, and how things are, are sort of progressing in the workforce. And actually, I, I don't mean to say worse. I actually think better um, in the long run, but business and, and work and roles become a little bit more, more fluid and, and transient. Right. So you're going to have people uh, coming in and out of, of your workforce. And to your point, um, that that phrase go live tends to mean a lot less um, right. as time. Right. And it should. It should. It's it's like, okay, we're going to start, but this is when the work begins. Um, you, you had mentioned the uh, the bit I'm going to do at, at, uh, at Open. It's kind of a, it's a fun bit. It's, it's basically role-playing. And okay. so we're going to have a recruiter and a hiring manager on stage and they're going to sit, you know, back to back and they're going to have to sell each other on the job and talk to each other. And it's, it's, it's interesting. And they don't pull people on stage and we'll do the same thing. And it's just going to be fun. It's a fun, it's a fun bit. It's a great learning exercise uh, to see how people think, see the exact same thing, but see it so differently. Which, I love that is kind of the real world for, for everyone in recruiting and hiring. I think, you know, I've, I've said, you know, that uh, hiring managers need to be just as adept in inside technology like greenhouse as recruiters are. And even though it's not their full-time job and even though they got other things pulling at them, if they want, if they want the hires and they want them in, in the timely manner that they want them, they've got to be just as good in the technology, which means that they've got to be trained uh, and they fully understand it. And, uh, and I've also, <laughs> I've also said, it's got me into trouble, but I've also said that there needs to be death clocks on things. Okay. 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 So bear with me. So if we're passing over a slate of five candidates to a hiring manager, that's milk that has an expiration date. If they don't, if they don't do something with the milk, the milk expires. And so that's, that's, so, so that's a bit, I mean, that's obtuse, right? So I mean, the, theoretically they could make cheese. <laughs> You're an optimist. I like that. Uh, yes. The, yes. They, they could. However, most of the, di the discourse that you have between recruiters and is, and the rub is it's a hurry, 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 hurry. And then wait. And then, right. And that slate of candidates, especially in today's market, that slate of candidates is gone. And so now you have to so start over. It all goes back to what we said about change management, though, yep. right? Is if you have a group of hiring managers that are that are bought in and understand the process, then those collaborative intake meetings um, will they'll kind of push forward an expectation that when a slate of candidates come through. Um, 
you know, the, the expectation is that it's reviewed in, in, a, in a timely manner. And, and that can be you know, part of part of the process that you kind of build as a recruitment team, um, you know, with with your most frequent hiring managers. So I, I think it I think all roads lead back to some of those early moments where where you set expectations as a collaborative team. I like that. I, don't know, I like I like using the technology and, and, and the intake process to you because it's collaboration software at that point right we've we've actually you know moved out of the ats or even recruitment in some ways this is we're going to see let's see how we see the world uh the same way and and let's make sure you've got 40 things on your list that's okay let's go through those and let's make sure and and delineate between the things that are nice to have and the things that are need to have and if we do that together in fact i got into trouble for this but i I it was probably two years ago, but basically I was in front of an audience. It was before COVID, so it had to be more than two years. Uh, I got in front of an audience and I said, here's, here's how you work with hiring managers. I said, who here has received the email with a job description attached? And, and they ask you, this is, you know, go out and find these people. And everyone's raised there. And I said, okay, here's what you do with that email. Delete it. <laughs> and then email them, call them, slack them, whatever, get on, get on, get in, get in technology like greenhouse and do an intake and build it together. Just right. Literally take whatever they had, delete it. Cause it doesn't matter. Start over with something fresh with no scrape stuff from career builder or indeed or whatever, or, or any old failed job descriptions that were just laying around and just collaborate together. And That's if right. you, if you do that, then they'll feel better about what you're going out to search for and recruit for, and you'll feel better about the things that you pass over to them. Yeah. And and we try to live a lot of those principles internally at Greenhouse as well. And I think unless you're doing that um, and kind of drinking your own champagne, it's hard to go and convince customers to do it. So over the past year, I mean, we've hired like 40, 50 people, both externally, internally into, into CS, you know, we're, we're growing like crazy. Um, and one of my favorite moments is that intake meeting. Um, it clears my mind. It, it lets me know that I have a partner in this journey and somebody that's going to not only inform the process, but also challenge me. Like if you have a good recruitment team, um, they're also going to challenge some of your assumptions about roles. They're going to understand your attributes and, and the custom questions you typically ask that, do or don't get you the outcomes that you're looking for. So I, I look forward to those moments and each time building plans that are a little bit better incrementally. Um, and then, you know, at the end, when you're doing a roundup and you're, and you're trying to make some decisions, you know that you had that moment where everybody agreed that this is the criteria that's going to net a strong hire. That's right. And when you start, and when you start doubting yourself, that's you right. can harken that's right. back to that intake meeting and say, "Look, we we all agreed. We spent a lot of time on this, and and let's let's give this person a shot and hire them." It's 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 funny because you're you're kind of teasing out the. Hey, listen, you go slow to go fast, so yeah. let's get this part right. And we all see the world the same way. Okay, the world's flat. Fantastic. We all see the same thing. Fantastic. Let's do this. And yep. I think that that enables. I think it, it enables confidence for everybody: sourcers, recruiters, hiring managers. Like everyone understands exactly what their what the goal is. And I think that's where we get sideways. Oftentimes, is is when we don't under we're not on the same page. 
and and so using the intake using you know greenhouse and the in the intake function to then be able to say okay let's 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 literally collaborate here and and everyone agree like like we won't leave the meeting we won't leave the call until everyone is 100% on board and then done now everyone feels emboldened and then and confident to go out and do what they need to do in whatever roles that they are i think that's genius um you had mentioned structured interviews before. I believe even the EU said, like, y'all have a strong stance. It's really important to you, et cetera. Take us into the world of uh, structured interviews. What are you seeing these days? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about kind of that intake meeting um, and setting up a, an, an interview plan that everybody believes in. Um, one of the things that we're doing actually internally right now with our CS team is we revamped a bunch of our core competencies. You know, over, over time, a team evolves, the value of a team evolves, the type of person that you need in seat to be successful changes. Um, and so we, we went through internally and, and we did a whole exercise where we, we looked at our current competencies and goals. Um, we looked at how that related to questions that we asked um, as part of the interview plan uh, we looked at the attributes that we were rating um, candidates against both internally and externally. Um, and we're, we're right in the, the middle of the process of making some pretty big changes to those interview kits. Um, so that's, I, I think you need to have an ongoing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, organizations evolve rapidly, especially if you're fast growth. Um, and the types of employees or the types of skill sets those employees might have um, you know, oftentimes change or, or, or evolve. So I think it's really important to revisit um, your structured hiring process and your plan and the things embedded within it, um, because it might not be serving the new needs of, of the organization. I love that. And, and you know, what's, what's what I love? First of all, I love that y'all are evolving because it just shows that, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't rest like on what you did last year, what you did in the last position, you're always trying to move the ball forward, which I just love. And it just shows how innovative y'all are as a team, but also as a company that you're not going to, you're not going to take mediocrity. You're always going to try to improve the process and improve the position, et cetera. Um, well, it gives you an opportunity to, to sort of call yourself out on, on your, your diversity mm-hmm. and well, um, as you go through and you start evaluating those attributes and the questions you're asking, um, you start to say to yourself, does this, does this serve our, our diversity goals or, or were we, were we interviewing for homogeny? Um, and then you have to kind of be honest with yourself. So we, I mean, we have a lot of customers that are kind of going through that process. Now you'll, you'll probably hear a bunch, a bunch of the anecdotes at, at greenhouse open. Um, but yeah, there's there's some pretty cool examples of of stuff customers are doing as they kind of go through those self reflection processes. While we're while we talk about DEI, where what do you see clients where where do they struggle the most? You know, in in general, right? So they know it's important. Uh, we all know it's important, and maybe they haven't. They woke up and they they just haven't done it. And they haven't done it well. Like, what's the biggest struggle for them? to then kind of get over the hump of, of actually really doing and really, really implementing kind of a great DEI strategy. Yeah. I mean, to start out on, on the positive, like if you look at the data, about half of our customers with, with access to demographic reports and greenhouse recruiting um, 
have looked at them and leveraged them in the past 90 days. And, and having you know wow. worked with greenhouse customers for like almost seven years now, that's really inspiring to me. You're talking about thousands of customers and tens of thousands of employees out there in the workforce who want to know and prove that they're making an impact. Um, but I think, you know, back to your, your analogy about like, you know, the silver bullets. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people like they're looking for like, what's that killer feature that's, that's going to get the job done. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. Right. It's an amalgamation of a, a bunch of different features and things and processes and mentalities that are going to get you the outcomes that you're looking for with, with your diversity goals. Um, but I think that that's often the, the biggest downfall is, is you, you have some folks in the market who are, um, who are looking at technology to, to fix some of those internal challenges. Um, and while it can help you enable and accelerate change, it really comes down to um, getting the buy-in of your organization and, and, and really just putting the hard work in. So what was that, what was that report called? What's that feature? Um, the demographic reports. Demographic uh, in- reports. So, Alan, I want I want to I want to give you some advice, unsolicited, of course. So you can absolutely patently dis- dismiss it as you probably should and will. So, talk to your product person, your product lead, and put a a reminder or an alert on 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 that report. Insofar as if they haven't looked at it in twenty days. They, they get an email or they get a text or whatever the bit is, a reminder to look at the report. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, I won't get too deep into, into product usage stuff because I'll, I'll say things that are true and then my customer success team will make fun of me. But, <laughs> Fair um, enough. You can, you can set up reports to, to run automatically as well. Yes. So, yeah. well, it's, you know, it's like, it's like you just basically make sure that those that aren't looking at it you know, or don't set up the alerts. Or don't don't set up those things. Yeah, uh, you almost force it uh, in, right. a, in a sense of yeah. You should probably look at this. <laughs> Here's a report. Right. No, agreed. Right, and I think it, like if I'm channeling the the product team, which they wouldn't appreciate, there's <laughs> there's always a balance between nudging. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. leaving people alone and yeah but I, I i agree i think the more that you can um the more that you can shine a light on the results uh, the more that you have a case internally to continue to focus on on those programs like we, we had we have a customer uh they're an enterprise customer that we're working with heavily uh they'll they'll be at open they went from like an 85 to 15 top of funnel split male versus female to uh to like 60 40 or, or somewhere around that, right? And like, so there's there's proof it's that if an organization, it's nice. yeah, you know, and, and that's and that's all sort of top of funnel work. And there's proof that if an organization does the the hard work and puts the time in to make changes, um, the data will will kind of follow. Um, I think some other thing that that people are doing, you know, a lot of our customers are, are starting to lean into remote work as a way to accelerate their diversity goals. So you know, you're no longer bound to certain geographies that create homogenous workforce um and one of our, our customers had like 70 percent of all their roles hired into to one office their redwood city office and you know now it's less than 20 percent, and that created really unique opportunities for revamping and executing on their their de and i goals and, and what was even possible compared to to the old paradigm um so you know de and i 
looks different depending on geography. So they have the opportunity to pull candidates now from places like North Carolina and Florida and Atlanta, which are becoming big pools of, of really strong talent for them. So it's capitalizing on some of the changes that are going on societally um, that enable you to kind of bolster these, these programs. I love that. And, you know, I, I think people just get busy. So I don't think it's ill and, or, you know, like people have bad intentions. Uh, I, yeah, there's evil people. Okay. Check. Got it. But I think sometimes people just get overwhelmed and they get busy. And so they know it's an important initiative and then, and, and then all of a sudden life happens. And so, so you are doing, you are doing just wonderful work. Uh, I can't wait to hear some of the customer stories. Uh, two questions left. One is, I know y'all do a lot of work and help people with kind of hiring maturity, kind of where they are in their process or their journey and what you see in kind of industries or companies of their size and, and uh, people that are scaling in the way that they scale. Uh, take the audience into a little bit of what hiring maturity looks like these days. Yeah, I, like if you if you look at it through the lens of greenhouse, there's a bunch of things you can do in the app or a bunch of features that create outcomes. Um, and what we've tried to do is take that down from a list of of like 500 down to about 70 and say, look, if you're if you're doing these things on a regular basis. And if you've configured the, the app in such a way, um, the likelihood that, that you have a more mature hiring organization is, is higher. And that's essentially the, the crux of, of the maturity curve. So like, if you look at the range, it goes from chaotic um, to inconsistent and then systematic and then strategic. The vast majority of our customers are like in the middle of, of the curve, right? They're vacillating between um, between inconsistent and systematic and actually a little bit higher on the systematic side, which is, which is really encouraging. Um, but again, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, it starts in implementation and building that strong foundation, um, focusing on the right behaviors, focusing on the right types of usage. Um, and then that has to perpetuate throughout the entirety of the relationship to, to your earlier point, like you can't stop at implementation and go live and say, okay, we're good forever now. Um, as new people come into the organization, you have to continue to hammer on those principles and on those best practices um, so that that flywheel effect continues to, to, to happen. Um, so this is, this is a concept that we're starting to introduce to our customers kind of slowly. Um, we really wanted to make sure that we're working with our data science team um, and, and saying things that are true, right? Uh, as you kind of start to build models like this, there's always the fear that like you don't want to give people bad advice. Um, but we've been working really hard for for about two years now on on looking at all these in-app behaviors and and tying it back to um, what some of our most successful organizations are are doing. Um, so our customer success team now, you know, they'll have a call with with a customer and they'll actually show them some of those behaviors. Uh, and those adoption patterns, and and they'll say, look, you're you're like a strategic hiring organization. It's it's something to be proud of, and continue to accelerate on these things, or actually giving some data to be able to talk to a customer in a real way and say, I think you might be on the chaotic side, and here's a couple of like low hanging fruit changes you can make um, to become a more mature hiring organization. So it's unlocked 
a license to be able to have those those more real conversations with with customers, which is pretty cool. I love that. I love love love. Oh, last question: What do you what do you, what are you looking to forward to uh, at Open? Because you know, last time we I guess we had one in person was nineteen. So um, right. so what what are you what are you looking forward to? Um, I just I, I love the vibe. Like this time around, I don't have uh, I don't have anything specific to do except meet with customers, which I which I love. So I'm I'm going to be sort of meandering around and talking to people. Um, you know, getting to digest a bunch of the sessions. Uh, the customer success team is running um, a, a ton of of workshops and trainings during that time. Um, so I'm I'm just really looking forward to seeing uh, to seeing my team do their thing. And then we're uh, we're going to be rolling out uh, badging. So um, you know, I think really really strong organizations eventually build great L&D functions for their customers within the organization. Uh, and we're starting to create the makings of that through our, uh, through a badging program. So you can take courses, uh, you know, mini quizzes, get badges on different types of skills and, and behaviors within greenhouse and within hiring. Um, and then down the road, who knows, maybe we, um, you know, maybe we, we try to do a certification at some point. That is so awesome. Well, listen, Alan, thank you so much for the time today your wisdom and uh i can't wait for to see you at open and uh and uh it's just been wonderful thank you so much this was so fun thanks william i'll see you in a couple weeks absolutely and thanks everyone listening to for listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time you've been listening to the recruiting live podcast by recruiting daily check out the latest industry podcasts webinars articles and news at recruiting